You're listening to an exclusive podcast series brought to you by Wired for Wonder, a proud innovation by Combank and The Moment HQ. Prepare yourself as we take you on an eye-opening journey to ignite your curiosity, foster wonderment, and send inspiration bustling through your veins. Hello and welcome to the Wide for Wonder and the Moment HQ podcast series. I'm your host, Monica Cade. Joining me today is Terry Wirtz, who is an astronaut and who has spent over 200 days in space at the International Space Station. While he was at NASA, he had one of the most demanding jobs in the world. He is one of only four astronauts ever to have piloted the NASA Space Shuttle, fly on the Russian Soyuz spacecraft, perform spacewalks and hold the role of the Commander ISS. So let's welcome him now. Hi, Terry. Thanks for joining me. Hello and good day, and it's awesome to be here. <laughs> now, tell me, when was the moment in, you, in your life that you believed that you could actually become an astronaut? <laughs> Not until they called and told me that I got accepted. When I was a kid, <clears throat> the first book I ever read was about Apollo. It's what I wanted to do ever since I was young. But I never really thought it was possible. I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing to actually think you can be an astronaut, but yeah. I always did the things necessary. I checked the boxes. I, I did what was required in hopes that maybe this would happen, but I, you really don't ever, even after I had interviewed, um, they interviewed 120 people my year and they only picked about 10% of that number. So even after I had interviewed, I after I'd gone through thousands and thousands of people who had been cut, I still didn't think it was possible until they actually called me and told me I got in. And even then I didn't believe it. I literally, I was like, well, they called me and told me I got picked. But so I really didn't believe it until I drove up to this Johnson space center and like walked in and they, you know, they checked my name off the list. And then I thought, okay, maybe this is real. (laughs) So what was the process for you to actually get in? Well, First of all, it was a lifetime of education. I mean, but it sounds trite or like a platitude, but it's true. It was, you know, decades of school and college and learning how to be a pilot and then a test pilot. Um, But the actual process was pretty involved, lots of paperwork. And, of course, when I did it, there was actually paper we filled out (laughs) nowadays all online. But it's really, I think they just make it as painful as possible. It's a big, giant government bureaucracy process to try and prevent people from applying just to (laughs) make it easier to weed out some of the numbers of course and then there was a there was an interview which involved um, psychological tests and medical testing and um a a night out at the local you know bar to to hang out with you and see who you are as a person and Mm -hmm. and, an interview where you had to sit there in this weird shaped table imagine an L and you're at the, like the crotch of the L. So half of the interviewers are behind you and it's just really awkward. So they try and put you in this socially stressful situation and they, they just want to get to know you and see what kind of person you are and see if you can handle a little bit of, um, out of the ordinary. Yeah. That sounds rather awkward, that L shaped table and (laughs) trying to see who you are socially yet it's still quite awkward because you're not being natural as well. It was funny. Yeah. Did you have any reservations throughout all of your process in order to get there that maybe it wouldn't happen? And what did that feel like? 
Well, <laughs> for me, it was just fun to apply. I, I was really young. Um, I applied when I was still a student at test pilot school, so I hadn't even graduated. Mm-hmm. And of course, in order to be a shuttle pilot at the time, I you basically had to be a, a test pilot. So my colleagues, all of whom were at test pilot school for the purpose of becoming astronauts, everybody assured me, don't bother applying. You're too young. Wait till you get some experience. You can apply for the next class. Um, this other guy's a lot smarter than you. This other guy has more experience than you. This other guy's better looking than you. They were all sure that I would not get picked. Mm-hmm. And from my point of view, A, I didn't care. I mean, I, when they called me for an interview, I was just happy. I, I was excited. I was like, well, I get to go hang out with astronauts and I get to go to the Johnson Space Center. It's going to mm-hmm. be cool. I don't care if I get picked or not. It's a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think being able to be not uptight and not worried about it, just in, enjoy the, the process without worrying about the outcome. That I think that helped me out a lot. Gosh, that's so true. And I think that's where we trip ourselves up in life when we want something so bad and we're constantly focused on the outcome. We forget to enjoy the experience of it. So it sounds like you did really well with that. It, it is. It's advice that I need to take myself now. You know, it's easy to say that about something that worked out yeah. <laughs> many years ago, but I, it's advice I still need to take uh, in my daily life. Mm. When you're up in space, how do you feel? That's a broad question. Um, in the sense yeah, of... Physically or emotionally? Yeah, emotionally, being up there, how do you feel personally? So, right. So my take on spaceflight is every if you're an astronaut and you get picked to be a, a crew member, you're, you're so lucky. You are so fortunate. You need to enjoy every aspect about it because mm-hmm. um, that's probably... It may be your last flight. You might get to fly again. You may not. So you have to treat every space flight like it's your last one. Mm-hmm. And you need to enjoy it. And on the shuttle, it was really short. It was a two-week mission, and it was busy. Run, 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 run. I mean, there was no time to have any break. On the station flight, on mine, uh, there was actually a Russian Soyuz crash that delayed our replacement and we got extended a month. So I was in space for 200 days on my most recent flight. And that was a very different experience. You know, some guys are just longing to come back to earth. They can't wait to get back. They're like, Oh, I'm tired of this. Mm. I, I never, I never felt like that at all because I realized this might be my last space flight mm. and I'm going to enjoy it while I can. And then I'll have the rest of my days on earth to be back on earth. You know, I'm, I'm going to just enjoy this while I can. When it's over, I'll move to the next phase of life. And that, that attitude really helped my emotional outlook on my space flight um, to just, you know, enjoy the here and now and wor- we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Mm, that's something that we can all take away for today as well. It's something I need to take away myself. It's so easy <laughs> to say this about something, but it's advice for me anyway. Every day I need to remind myself of that. Yeah. Has living in space changed your perspective on life at all? You know, um, it has made it easier for me to not worry about minutia. Um, having seen like sunrises that you can't imagine Mm -hmm. and there's been a billion of those sunrises and there's going to be a billion more. And 
it just makes it hard to get upset about silly stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, especially watching TV or the news. Um, and I, I, I guess it's that perspective is probably my main contribution to life or the, the, the biggest, like it didn't change my views on religion or any, it didn't change any of my views, but it, it gave me a perspective that if I listen to my own advice can be very uh, comforting. Mm. Do you find that so you don't get caught up in the small stuff as much, or do you find that you still do, but you're able to pull yourself out of it better? I think it's the latter. I mean, yes, there's still minutia, there's still emails, there's still stress and problems in, in everybody's life. But mm. um, I think I'm, in fact, one of the, when I when I do speaking, one of the things I just encourage people with is this idea not to say that oh we're this insignificant dot in this giant universe and we don't matter not that at all i don't believe that Mm. Uh, it's more it's more the don't sweat the small stuff because there's a bigger picture you know it's that's that's the advice that i try and take myself and share with others Mm. and then has the experience opened you up to believing in certain possibilities here on earth you know the biggest I think belief on earth that I had a chance to see aspects of the environment and aspects of what global wealth distribution on earth and different things like that. But I think the biggest, um, human thing or impact, if you will, that I experienced was the relationship that I had with my Russian crewmates, Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the most tense and, and bad U S Russian relations since the, height of the Cold War um, with the Ukraine Civil War and the Crimea annexation and sanctions and all these really bad things happening, Um, computer hacking back and forth. Um, I had a great experience with my Russian cosmonauts and training in Russia. And, um, you know, we actually got along great with my European colleagues, American and Russian flying together, Mm. Uh, also working with Japanese and Canadian partners on the ground. And it was like, here people are culturally and personally completely fine together. And we're doing this most amazing, technically challenging engineering feat that humans have ever done together. And we're doing it well. And we're getting along. So why the heck do we have these problems on Earth? Because clearly, you know, we can do hard things together. So it was that um, maybe encouragement or... Uh, that thing, and and not to be an idealist, and I understand that nations have national interests, and I, I get that, and I'm not an idealist at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm real. I'm a realist, and realistically, we can get along because I saw it in action when I was commander of, during this terrible time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's maybe an encouraging thing that I saw that the possibility for what could be on Earth. Mm, wow that's pretty cool and do you think that in the sense maybe it's more just the media that's distorting these things for us down here and making things more complicated you know what i think the real the root of the problem is there is a political incentive to call out the enemy in other words um it's good politics for domestic political purposes, Mm. for Russians to stand up against the West. And there's great domestic politics in America 
to um, stand up against the Russians. And so it benefits the political systems for us to kind of be at each other's throats. But having lived there, I realized, hey, Russian people are probably more like Americans and just than anybody in the world except for Australians. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like I was saying, you know, Australians and Americans have the most in common. We, we were kicked out of all the best countries in Europe together. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, the R- Russians and us culturally uh, on a person-to-person basis were, were very similar. But it's that political incentive for Putin to stand up to the West or for the American president to call out and to be tough on Russia that, that makes it hard for the governments to do, um, different things. Mm. Through your experience, is there anything in particular that you've learned about your, yourself? Um, yes, I have learned that I have, a tendency to, um, like smooth things over. I'm, I'm really good at avoiding conflict or, you know, being, um, just getting along well. And, and sometimes you're better off having conflict. Like sometimes if something's bugging you or, you know, you, you, it's actually better to just get it out in the open and, um, and do that. So that, I guess one thing I did learn is that sometimes you're better off not just smoothing things over, but actually, you know, talking out the problem at hand and, and in the long run, that's better for you. That was probably my biggest personal lesson learned. Mm, I like that one. I think I relate to that with you, you know, it's, I'm, I'm an avoid conflict person by my nature. And you know, that's a good trait to have if you're going to live with someone on the space station, in the long long run of life, that's not necessarily how you want to be. So, yeah, I really like that one. And aside from traveling into space, what did your job entail? Well, that, you know, that's what I like the most about being an astronaut is it's a lot more than just traveling into space. It's, um, I was the crew medical officer and I was the dentist and I was a scientist mm-hmm. and the mechanic and the spacewalker and a pilot, of course. And mm-hmm. so in the, in the movie maker, I was a cinematographer and actor and producer and, um, you know, TV news, you know, anchor or not anchor, but yeah. <laughs> I did, I did interviews with, for example, wired for wonder. So, yeah. um, the, and linguist and translator and, the that's and photographer the being an astronaut is a little bit of everything which i really enjoy um, that was probably my favorite thing about it was the diversity of job that it was yeah wow that sounds very cool okay before we finish up i've got a few signature questions for you so i'm ready <laughs> so tell me what moves you <sighs> what moves me I'm a visual man and I love seeing beauty like sunrises and so I'm kind of a sunrise and sunset guy. Mm -hmm. After about 195 days in space, my crewmate Samantha came down and she saw me taking pictures of sunrises yet again. And she was like, Terry, have you not taken enough pictures? I said, no, I I haven't gotten the perfect one. There's still the perfect one. Um, So I think it's really for me just visual um, beauty. Yeah. Awesome. And what do you believe is your greatest asset? 
I guess it would depend on, you know, if I'm going to be running an organization or if I'm just going to be a friend or if I'm going to be, as as a person, as a person, yeah, I guess maybe the thing that I can impact the most people is my ability to communicate with them about not only my space mission, that was really cool. And it's hopefully it's something that blesses lots of people, but, um, I don't know about philosophy of life or wisdom or, you know, bringing a positive message to people. Hopefully that's it. My ability to communicate. Mm. If you had a superpower, what would you choose (laughs) and why? (laughs) I would be able to fly because I just love flying. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the, uh, when I was a kid growing up, I thought about this question a lot. I'd lay in bed and I'd go, all right, would I rather be Batman or Superman or Aquaman or Spider-Man or it was always Superman because he, he could fly. That's the, that's the one thing I always wanted to be able to do. Oh, that's and awesome. I got a chance to do it. You did. There you go. All right. And last question, what's a piece of wisdom that you've been given? I think it's that it's, it's going to be okay when you're stressed out or when something seems overwhelming or, it's not going to, uh, you know, this is going wrong or that's going wrong. I, and I need to force myself to do this in my own life. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but <laughs> you need to um, just kind of realize in our big scheme of life, the, the little things that are seemingly uh, important and pressing and insurmountable, and they're, they're just not. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's just not as bad as it might seem. Mm, that's perfect wisdom. Thank you so much for your time. It was such a fun conversation. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. All right. Take care. Bye bye.